0: Hello, and welcome to My On Mondays. Today is a continuation of our Disappearing World series where we discuss things that are either endangered or being lost due to issues such as climate change, development and gentrification, or simply time. My guest is Pius Akumbu, a senior researcher at Lacan, the language and culture research unit of the French National Center for Scientific Research and Inalco University that specializes in the study of languages and cultures of Africa. Before joining Lacan, Pius was a visiting professor at the University of Missouri-Columbia. Previously, he was an Alexander von Humboldt Fellow at the University of Hamburg from 2019 to 2021. Before leaving his native Cameroon, Pius taught linguistics courses at the universities of Buea and Baminda. He received his Ph.D. in Linguistics from the University of Yaoundé-1. His research focuses on the documentation and description of Grassfield Bantu languages of Cameroon, including his mother tongue, Kijom, also known as Babanki, which is endangered. He is an ELDP grant recipient and a depositor at the Endangered Languages Archive. Additionally, Pius has been a language mentor for the Endangered Languages Project since November 2022. I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about the Kejom language because I had never heard of it before. And um, indigenous languages are kind of, a, I have a soft spot for them. i It's something that I find really interesting. So since I had never heard of the Kejom or Babanki language before, I'm sure most of our listeners yeah. have not. As well, so could you tell us a little bit about yourself and the language?
1: Okay, yeah, thank you so much. I uh, let me first of all talk about the language. Um, to say that Kajom is the name that we call the language. The speakers of the language call it Kajom, and the administrative name is Babanki. Okay. So to make that distinction clear. Uh, this is uh, a language that is spoken in the northwest region of Cameroon. Linguistically, it is a grass fused language, uh, specifically a central ring grass language. Okay. And uh, there are uh, estimates say there are somewhere between 20,000 and 40,000 speakers. Uh, uh, it's hard to tell the exact number because there haven't really been proper census uh, over the years. So mm-hmm. uh, we have just those estimates. And um, uh, personally, I I was born and raised in kajom in, Kejom, in a, one of the kajom villages. There are actually two villages where kajom is spoken. So I was born and raised in one. And uh, I think I moved from the village for the first time when I was 13 and this was to go to to a nearby town for secondary school. okay uh, so yeah I, I grew up speaking that language and uh, I eventually studied linguistics by yeah by, by chance I eventually started linguistics, and so I uh, continue to work on the language. Uh, currently, I work at the French National Research Center, one of its labs that is uh, um, called LACAN, which is Langage, Langue, Culture d'Afrique, and we are based in Paris. Um, and I uh, just continue to work on. African languages, including Kajom, which is my mother tongue,
0: was Kajom the only language that you spoke in your village?
1: Uh, it's normally the 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 main language of the village. When I was growing up, this was uh, the only language I spoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this was nearly half a century ago, and pidgin English was just encroaching then into oh, the village. Okay. So, yeah, so the, uh, I, the many young people at that time were not able to speak pidgin because it was just quite new. Uh, I, I only learned pidgin when I started school. So alongside English, when oh, I started okay. school. I, that's, I guess uh, that was my
0: question. So when you, you started to yeah. learn English when you, when you were 13, when you moved to the other town? To, yeah, to school, yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, but otherwise Kijam was the only language, the main language, the main language of the community. Because mm-hmm. I mean, Kijam it happens to be in 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 one of uh, the multilingual well, Africa in general is, is there are lots of multilingual communities, and uh, so. It's very possible that you find people speaking other indigenous languages, mm-hmm. depending on whether they, are, they they have come from other villages or mm-hmm. they have relatives in other villages. So it's possible to find several languages in a community. But I would say Kajum was and still is uh, the main language of the Kajum people.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well so that sort of leads me to my next question. Um there are many native languages still spoken all over Africa and I I've spent a lot of time in Ghana and um Oh yeah. I lived in Accra and there were um several languages spoken within Accra and people tended to speak each other's languages as well, depending on, depending on the language. But most of the people that yeah. I knew spoke a minimum of two languages and, and quite often three or four. And um, mm-hmm. so this program we're talking specifically about endangered languages. I'm curious yeah. what it is about the Kijom language that makes it susceptible.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. You 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 can say that many languages are still spoken in Africa, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you compare the African situation to that of the U.S. or Canada. Um, yeah, yet, I I think that many languages in Africa are also endangered. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, that is due to different kinds of factors than maybe you would see. Uh, elsewhere in the world, the reasons for why these languages are endangered. I think the difference may be in that, even if some of these factors are shared. Uh, I, I I know that, well, and I think that in Africa, language endangerment is linked to colonization, mm-hmm. to globalization, coupled with local factors. And these local, local fa- factors may include misguided government policies, you know. And I, I, this is not something I want to go into. I don't want to go into the terrible effects of colonization uh-huh. on African languages and cultures. Uh, but I should just mention that the less widely spoken languages, such as Kejom, are more severely threatened than those uh, more widely spoken. Yeah. The the Ghanaian situation, well, is as you say, is much more like what you see across the continent you may see major languages like akan tree mm-hmm. spoken you know and many people speak those
0: yeah
1: but you may you may not be aware that most of those people probably have abandoned their own little known languages mm-hmm. or their own little languages in order to speak these languages of wider communication okay yeah right and uh, so you go away with the impression that people uh, speak the languages, yes, but I would, I think it's not at the same rate that it could be if people normally spoke their little-known languages. Mm-hmm. So I, I should say I, I grew up speaking kajom as I just said earlier, and witnessing many cultural events such as traditional weddings, um, but these are no longer conducted at the same scale today. Mm-hmm. You know the the kind of bedtime stories which I grew up listening to from elderly persons. They are no longer told to children today.
0: Oh In, my goodness, that's such a, know, such a loss.
1: Yeah, because you see, the children have they either have homework from school to do, mm-hmm. or they have Android phones to play with. Oh, you know. Yeah. And. Yeah, and the parents may be watching TV. (laughs) Mm. You can imagine. So those uh, the opportunity to tell those bedtime stories has kind of really reduced significantly.
0: Oh my goodness! I had not even thought about the stories, but that is that's I find that incredibly sad.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know, for reasons like this, you see that the the Kijum language used in specialized cultural domains, mm-hmm. right, is, is being lost, uh, and this is this loss is alongside the loss of these cultural practices themselves, and so young people have no chance to acquire mm-hmm. or even to learn the language. Yeah. You know? So yeah, at uh, so at a glance, one may say that the Kajom language or many other languages in africa are not endangered but the reality is not that simple mm-hmm. you know because as i said many young people i are, are in school they are learning in english or in french or or spanish or portuguese depending on which part of africa they find themselves mm-hmm. and it is clear to them that the language they need is is this foreign language this yeah, this foreign language. And they need this language to succeed in school, to find jobs later, you know. And yeah. those who are not in school need other languages of wider communication to do business and to interact in the larger social linguistic context. And little, little languages like Kijom, you know, they do not have really, they do, they do not have apparent functions, you know, mm-hmm. beyond use in, in homes. Yeah. You know. Uh, and so, these kind of these little languages, the inden- these endangered languages, are not empowered. They are not empowered by the governments in any way.
0: Yeah.
1: So, how do you convince young people and or even their parents that their language is useful? You know, when they actually see that they need other languages to succeed.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and uh, I think to even make it worse, you see social media comes in other languages. You know not in in those uh, endangered languages you mm. not have social media content available in those little known languages and how do you get young people's interest if yeah. if they cannot you know do tiktok whatsapp and so on in those local languages in those endangered languages so you it's very likely that you find that young people have negative attitudes about their 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 uh, local their their indigenous languages. People mm-hmm. mostly have local attitudes. Yeah. And which is different from the attitudes they have about the lingua francas. You know, maybe this is still happening where in school pupils so or students are they are not encouraged, they are not rewarded for speaking their local language.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, in fact in some instances they are discouraged or even punished.
0: Yeah, so you know, they don't see so the benefit to it at all. Wow. They don't see that's the benefit. It's amazing benefits. that they're still yeah. punished. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, oh, something. yeah. I sure. mean, that is such a, a throwback to colonial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where they don't punish outwardly, at least they are discouraged. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, you, see, you still see signposts in different places saying, you know, speak English. This is the gateway mm. to success and things like that. That's so sad. Yeah, so these negative attitudes, I I mean, I could even talk about situations where you see people are shy or ashamed to speak their local language because they are either mocked by their peers, you know, or, you you know, when I was growing up, and and I don't think that has changed a lot, you see people would mock someone because, they had the, then their indigenous language accent in English or in mm-hmm. pidgin English.
0: Yeah.
1: And their mates will mock at them, you know. Mm. And so to say that these constraints, there are so many constraints on many African languages, especially the little known ones, mm-hmm. including Kajam, you know, and, um, and if these languages are surviving, some of these little languages are still managing to survive. I think it's only due to the bravery of the speakers, yeah. who you know, who, who, in spite of all these odds, are uh, holding on to their ancestry codes and yeah. and making efforts to to transmit what they can to future generations. But the situation overall is not as as positive as one would say. Yeah.
0: Well, one of my other questions was, um, you know, I've, I've, I've seen this before, just in my own interest in endangered languages, that there, there are people who argue that the preservation of endangered languages is a waste of time and resources. And I'm, I want to, I, and and then, of course, Mm -hmm. there's the, the attitudes that you were just talking about that have stemmed from colonialism and, and so where people even get to the point where they feel shame about speaking their own language. And so I want, I'm curious why you personally, what is it that um, still makes you feel that it's important? What is it, what does it mean to you personally to, to preserve these languages?
1: Well, uh, everyone has a right to their opinion, and mm-hmm. of course, this is understandable. People say it's a waste of time and resources to preserve endangered languages. You know, people have different perspectives. Mm-hmm. You know, I, maybe my, my perspective, my thoughts are influenced by the fact that I'm a linguist and a speaker mm-hmm. of an endangered language. Yeah. You know, and that's why I think it's important, maybe. So I can not blame someone who thinks it's not important. Yeah. Uh, but I think, un- unfortunately, among the people who think that preserving endangered languages is a waste of time and resources are, like, politicians, mm-hmm. they are government officials. There are, uh, unfortunately, even some speakers of some endangered languages, mm-hmm. you know. And to some extent, even linguists, there are some linguists who think that this is a waste of time. Um, Especially people, there are people who do. Well, I don't, I don't want to go, but I think there are some linguists who, who think that it's it's also a waste of time for reasons that we shouldn't go into. Uh, You know, in in some countries where uh, the formal Colonial languages, you know, like English and French, Portuguese, Spanish, etc., are official languages. The the governments and politicians, as I mentioned before, they think that it is more economical to invest in the promotion of these colonial languages mm. than in the promotion of the local languages. You know, which, in their opinion, may also be used to consolidate national unity. You know, mm. you hear these kinds of arguments come up. So, such governments especially in the African context of which I can speak, do not invest in the preservation of endangered languages, Mm -hmm. you know, and the thing, because the thing is cheaper to use these colonial languages in education, you know, even, even if in the end, we know uh, from research that using foreign languages in education does not work in favor of young learners, you know, and it, it says, it says a lot about the African continent, and uh, uh, again as i said unfortunately many speakers of endangered languages think that they also think it's a waste of time uh like people wonder why why they should encourage their children maybe to make an effort to speak a language that is not uh, and i think i mentioned this earlier if the language is not economically educationally politically useful why why get people to to pay attention to it and yeah so you as a linguist i could only spend time to 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 try to explain why i think it's useful and i'll come back to this um but also as i said you see linguists who work maybe linguists who work on uh, languages in countries where there are several several languages uh, like in Cameroon where there are more than three hundred languages or in in Nigeria with more than five hundred languages, mm-hmm. linguists could wonder why it's necessary to try to preserve those little ones you know for, mm-hmm. you know but in my opinion, you know promoting endangered languages can be seen as a matter of Respect of linguistic rights, mm-hmm. you know, just like we respect human rights.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, this we should give a chance to all languages to survive. Yeah. You know? And uh, one thing to consider is that in many cases, it's not the fault of some of these languages that they are endangered. As we've mentioned, it could be the fallout of of several factors including colonialism which we've talked about before Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah but it's not even about establishing responsibility at this point uh, that matters but i think we we cannot stand by and watch languages die um like humanity doesn't do that humanity doesn't have the habit of standing by and watching death happen Mm -hmm. you can you can we can draw inspiration from what happened recently with, or is still even happening with COVID-19. You yeah. see all the efforts all that have been made in recent years to, to find a way out of the virus. Yeah. We can afford to and should not abandon endangered languages, which, you know, can be seen as sick languages. We cannot. We cannot just say, oh, these ones don't matter. We shouldn't invest in, in them. And uh, part of the reason is that we, we often talk about linguistic and cultural diversity, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, many endangered, endangered languages have rich oral cultures and stories, songs, histories mm-hmm. that are passed on to younger generations orally. You know, and if we if we allow this to die, we know that with the extinction of a language, an entire culture is lost. Yeah, and we have no chance to, to get back this kind of diversity, the kind of linguistic and cultural diversity we may like to have in our world. It's you you see, it's part of the agenda of so many organizations worldwide. worldwide. UNESCO, for example talking about linguistic and cultural diversity, you know, but if at the same time, you allow languages to die away with the cultures embedded in in them, then what kind of diversity are we talking about? Just mm-hmm. um, maybe animal, plant diversity, you know. <laughs> linguistic diversity is so important because you know of the the cultural components of it.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. You know? I I've never had yeah. anyone um articulated in quite that way and I think it it's um yeah. I think it really illustrates in a way that I haven't heard before. Um yeah. Oh, how important yeah. it is just like you wouldn't let a you would try to save a single life, you know, because of the yeah. history and you wouldn't value, you know, another life over, over that one. The language is the same. That's, that's really exactly. beautiful. Exactly. Um, yeah. and so you, yeah. one of the things that I found when I was, um, looking online is you had, uh, an article or I found something that where you, it's mentioned, uh, something about ritual speech, and um you talked earlier about stories that are no longer being yeah. told and in the what I read the little that was available online it uh you spoke about ritual language and how it's different from everyday speech and I was really yeah. fascinated by that can you tell us a little bit more about that
1: Yeah I think this this hasn't been written up as an, as an article or something. I think it was a, it was a project, a yeah. documentation project. Yeah. yeah, a documentation project that was funded by the Endangered Languages Program (ELDP). Yeah, the thing with ritual speech, as as I conceptualized at this at that time, well, yeah, as you know, language is not used in. Or language is used in specific ways, like right? depending on the particular communicative context or mm. particular purpose for which it is spoken. So, each language has specific registers, okay? That is, language as used in some particular communicative context or for some particular purpose. And this is the case with rituals in every language. So even if the register of rituals is not significantly different from the ordinary language, there will always be some specificities. Okay. Yeah.
0: I guess I, I yeah. and, like I think about English and it, it seems like the label yeah, is the English same, has... but I I guess it's not something <laughs> I've never really delved into, so
1: Well English has specific registers also depending uh-huh. on the communicative context. Yeah. Okay. Um but maybe the way the way to look at rituals is uh, that um they, they are unique in having a specific purpose, specific actors, specific audience, maybe specific tools or instruments that are used in okay. depending on the ritual we are talking about. Mm-hmm. And and I think it makes sense that there should be you know, there should be some sp- Special way of using language during each performance. Yeah, you know. And uh, in that project, uh, when I tried to document the language of rituals, that was a context where I observed a lot of poetic language. Uh, there were there were lots of proverbs. There were many incantations. There were there were lots of songs. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, just specific things that you know, you you would find only in the context of some specific ritual. Yeah, okay. You know, that even if someone speaks the language, they may not have an opportunity to to come in contact with that particular language outside of that context. Okay. And this was just, and you would, you know, uh, and this is understandable because the language or message in rituals is not for everyone. Thinking like you have a birth ritual or a death related ritual,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, maybe for a death related ritual that will come out very clearly where you know there are some specific things that are done and said maybe before someone is buried. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things that you not hear out of that context, right? Mm-hmm. In the Babanki context, in the Kajam context, there are specific things that are done, specific. Rituals that are performed before uh, a corpse is buried. Yeah, maybe just some some particular people can do those things, and they they have things specific things that they say. And uh, some there are some particular people who cannot even witness those uh, the the rituals related to death and so on. Mm -hmm. And there are specific songs. There are specific dances that are performed only during uh, that uh, situation and that context. And so to me, what, what I would say, which I find unfortunate at this about these rituals and the language involved, is that uh, many of them are no longer performed in the Kajom context. Yeah. You know, and part of the problem is the colonialism and modernity, which which we mentioned earlier, and in particular Christianity, which has mm-hmm. done a lot of harm in that regard. In in over the years, over the many decades, uh, trying to convince people that those rituals uh, are actually um, primitive, mm-hmm. or in the worst case. Pagan, you know, yeah. so negative that you know, uh, people are encouraged to abandon them. People are expected to abandon them in order to be civilized or to be good Christians and so on. Mm-hmm. And once these are abandoned, the next problem is that uh, these cult- the cultural, pros- uh, pro- cultural practices uh, are no longer transmitted. They, mm-hmm. they are just abandoned. Yeah. And that language, those activities that can only be performed during those rituals, of course, are lost. Yeah, it's such a shame that uh, someone will feel so superior and will go to the extent of declaring another person's culture as primitive. Yeah. Then uh, at the same time, turn around to talk of promoting cultural and linguistic diversity, as we're saying.
0: Yeah.
1: You know. Um, I think, personally, as the the debate about compensation for colonialism intensifies, Mm -hmm. we we saw this in the recent uh, UN summit, there was a lot of talk about compensation for colonialism and so on. As this debate intensifies, I think issues of language and culture should be raised and discussed as well.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I feel like, You know, you were talking about how it's not just a matter of convenience that, you know, Oh, it's easier to to make everything run smoothly if it's all done in one language. But, I mean, it's been used for centuries, this tactic of making people feel shame for where they come from to the point...
1: Feel yeah, yeah, guilt
0: and, and shame about who they are. And so yeah. then, you know, yeah. this brings me back to the question of why do you feel it's important? It's important for people to feel pride at who they are, yeah. at, you know, yeah. at, at who their culture is and where they come from and that connection to their ancestors and the land that they lived on, that they've lived on mm-hmm. for centuries, you know. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm yeah. curious, this is... Um, I, I guess this is my final question if I don't if I manage to not get sidetracked um, yeah. what are you're, you're a linguist and you obviously have a personal connection um, to the work that you do what are some of the ways that you're you're actively working right now to preserve and revitalize the language?
1: I think like many people I would like to do more and yeah, but since, It's a question about what I've done so far. I Mm -hmm. could just point to the fact that I've at least been doing some documentation and description of various uh, aspects of the Babanki Mm -hmm. language, the Kijom language. I've I've done quite some documentation and uh, quite a bit of description, you know, Mm -hmm. so that... um, yeah, it's not the best thing, but we always think that if the language eventually dies, which I hope will not happen to Kajom, mm-hmm. because we are making lots of efforts to revitalize. Yeah, uh, at least there will be things, there will be things that people can turn to and remember how the, the language was spoken. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the efforts to revitalize, to revitalize, also I. Um, I try to, to, to be present in, in the kind of social media space where I find many Kajum people. Okay. Uh, there is, we, we, we we, currently, we have a WhatsApp group of more than a thousand Kajum people. It's, it's small compared to the number of people that should normally, uh, that are recognized or yeah, I recognize Kajum, which, which, as I said earlier, is at least twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a group of a thousand is not large, but it's somewhere. It's at least to begin.
0: Yeah.
1: And in that group, we make every effort to uh, speak Kajum, mm-hmm. and I find this important because so many people appreciate it. So many people make the efforts to speak, which is something. Uh, that is actually so, uh, being lost. So, the, just the fact that in that group we encourage speaking
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we encourage people to actually uh, share whatever they can in the language, some cultural aspects, you know, every now and, and then people stage things that used to happen and uh, reenact them in this group. Uh, I think it, little, little gestures like that are helping because I, I say this because the kind of scientific work that I mentioned earlier doing documentation and description is not something that is uh, actually useful to the Kajom person at this point in time because, I mean, yeah, no i don't expect and i don't think uh, kajom people read the articles the journal articles or books Mm -hmm. uh, have a grammar of the language that i've written but Mm -hmm. this is of no interest to the kajom person who who is also of the oral culture you know people Mm -hmm. not go looking for a linguistic book or article to read it doesn't just happen but the things on social media at least we think that a few people watch a few people listen, mm-hmm. and so this is more, yeah, quite important. Uh, also, for several years, I've had this project trying to run a Babanki English Medium School in the Kijom community.
0: Oh, fantastic! And
1: this is, yeah, this is one of the things that I think stands out um, as a place where we don't discourage children from speaking the language; we don't mm-hmm. punish them speaking their language Yeah. because we know that if they are allowed to speak in their language to build self-confidence in their language uh, this will only go a long way to encourage and facilitate and make learning uh, fun to these children
0: yeah and know, psychologically so i feel like it would have such a huge benefit too to just have a space where they're yeah. allowed to feel pride about exactly yeah. exactly yeah that's, yeah.
1: not that's like great. what I, I experienced when I when I was in school. I'm mm-hmm. in I mean, that generation uh, where we, it was forbidden. It was yeah. just outrightly forbidden for us to, to speak speak German on the mm-hmm. school compound, and it it came with speaking came with lots of corporal punishment and, wow. and things like that. So yeah. it's, it was quite traumatizing.
0: I'm curious: and, Was um, the, the teachers who were enforcing this were they Kijong people or were they foreign? Yeah, of teachers? course. Yeah, so uh, there's that self hatred makes it,
1: it Yeah, there. it makes, oh. but yeah, but I mean this this was this is something that cut across uh, Africa and even beyond yeah. in, in yeah, many totally. parts of the world. Yeah. Part of yeah, this was part of the colonial agenda. Mm-hmm. to make people hate what was theirs yeah. you know and to embrace uh english or french or spanish or portuguese and uh, any other thing was was not tolerated mm-hmm. you know any other thing was not tolerated and the, the the agents of this were the teachers yeah even if they were of of that same language they would they, they, i mean it's not like at that point, those, those teachers, the people who were enforcing this, didn't think that they were doing anything wrong. They yeah. didn't think they were wicked. They were just yeah. trying to do what mm-hmm. they had been told was best,
0: you yeah. know.
1: So I think the, 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 maybe one more thing that I try to do to try to revitalize the language is, um, I've, I've had the possibility to at least train a few community members to, to be involved in, in documentation of the language, Mm -hmm. you know, the the kind of auto auto documentation where you don't need sophisticated um, um, materials to, to document a language, you know, Mm -hmm. just maybe just using a cell phone, you can record things, you can create video records of things of particular, you know, and it doesn't have to be professional in any way. Just mm. using what you have to to capture the language as it is used uh, in that particular time and space, and, and 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 sharing this with people who can relate with it. Yeah. You know, uh, and finding, uh, raising interest in community members to do this kind of documentation has proven to be helpful.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, I, I, is, yeah. I love that idea. And it reminds me of another project that I saw. This was actually in the UK called the Nest Collective, yeah. where they encourage just everyday people, not not scientists, not linguists, to go out. This is yeah. specifically for songs, um, songs, okay. and maybe poetry, I'm not sure, um, to record yeah. that material from the elders around the country. Yeah and it gives people yeah. such a sense of purpose as well as pride you know
1: yeah yeah this 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 approach this auto documentation approach is uh, has been uh, um, promoted here at at my at my lab mm-hmm. lakang by Amina Mituchi She's a, a linguist of the berber uh, languages and cultures in north africa and she, she, she started this this whole process of auto documentation and you know, and we see it working and you know a lot is done when people yeah. take documentation into their hands and mm-hmm. do it with the what is available to them.
0: Yeah,
1: you know and yeah so it's it's helpful yeah you know?
0: that's fantastic. There,
1: there are just so many languages that if you expect linguists to do professional documentation, mm-hmm. Over the years it will take a lot of time for us to get anywhere.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So getting people to do it themselves. It's also part of revitalization because Mm -hmm. when people find value in Mm -hmm. in their language, they find pride in their language and do what they can to promote that language. It's better than when an outsider is doing it or telling them to do whatsoever.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing. Oh yeah, thank you too. Sharing this time and uh and letting us know what you're doing it's I find it really inspiring. So I really appreciate yeah. you thank taking you. the time to talk with me.
1: It's my pleasure to share. I mean, we don't always have the opportunity to talk about what we're doing and it's like the little we do stays in the little corners where we are. Yeah. And so, this is an opportunity for me to share. So, thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back next Monday. Tune in.